Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. Okay, quick announcements. If you head over to youtube.com slash Nerdist, the Nerdist channel on YouTube, you will see we are sneak previewing uh, just a snippet of our new show, The Realm of LARP. A live-action role-playing reality series, uh, which is celebrates the concept of LARP. So go over there now. Super fun show. YouTube.com slash Nerdist. Hey, guys. You know, it's a couple weeks away. San Diego Comic-Con and the Nerdist Podcast live at the Balboa Theater. If you go to Nerdist.com slash calendar, you can get tickets for that. Also, uh, Course of the Forest, July 7th through July 11th, our lightsaber relay run all the way down the California coast. Um, we're going to be having uh, sort of events and parties every night. And then on the 11th, uh, the Dan Band is going to be playing in San Diego at the Balboa Theater as well. So go to courseoftheforce.com for info on that. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup because you're probably uh, really excited to have all your files disappear if your computer crashes. If you get a nice blue screen, uh, if you're PC-based, or if you or if your Mac just eats itself just folds in half and eats itself. You really need to make sure that all your files are packed up because you want to murder someone and you shouldn't murder people. So go to Carbonite.com. You'll have all your files backed up whenever you need them from any computer. And then a computer disaster is really just a hardware failure and you're not going to lose all your files. Your better backup plan for home and your business is Carbonite. Plans start at just $59 a year. Start your free trial today at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIST. You're going to get two bonus months with your purchase. That is Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIST. This episode is Jorge Garcia, who you may know as Hurley from Lost, uh, and who I now know as an awesomely cool guy. Matt Myra met him at E3, and it turns out he listens to the fucking podcast. Like, he may actually have been listening to this episode anyway, even if he weren't on it. So, uh, it was, it's always fun to meet people. You're like, hey, I like your work. And they're like, hey, I know your work. Uh, and that freaks me out. I don't know why, but it always, in a good way, it freaks me out. So uh, we were super excited to have him on, and uh, just a really terrific guy. So here it is, Nerdist Podcast episode number 220 with Jorge Garcia. Now entering Nerdist.com. That was <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, 
Because so many people in our crew had like nicknames like Bunny and Oh, yeah, actually, my yeah, Scratch. My, my aunt's name was Bunny. Walrus. Like, oh, like that's like a that's kind of like the situation <laughs> right before. Because uh, like you know like like my dad's brother was like like none of them had real names. It was like Auntie Bunny, Uncle Bucky. Uncle yeah, yeah. No, that was none of their names. Yeah. Is that a Portuguese thing or a Hawaiian Just thing? A local, Hawaiian, Hawaiian yeah. thing. Like, and it's always like uh, something boy, like uh, like Kimo boy. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her boy. Yeah. That's. Lina that's girl. That's fascinating, Jonah. Ooh. So everyone on the tiny island of Hawaii has some sort of a nickname. Yeah. If you went to high school there, yeah, you earned a yeah. nickname at some point. What I had a buddy of mine who's actually yeah, he's out here, Andy Trask, who grew up in Kailua. He oh was, really? They called him Billy Idol because he was like one of the only blonde kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had like blonde spiky he's hair. And so you know that, we're recording that, that right now. His name. That's all right. Um, uh, what was your nickname, Jonah? Uh, it was uh, it was Breadmouth. It was what? Uh, yeah, it was like it was. <laughs> it was a joke that I made that like people made me commit to. Uh, <laughs> where it's like uh, like it was a joke in high school where I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy that's always like chewing on some bread. Everyone's gonna be calling me bread mouth. And then uh, and then mm. like my friends were like, oh, we'll just we're gonna start calling you bread. I was like, no, it's just a joke. And then they started calling me, it, and then everyone in high school started calling me it. And when then the like, joke backfires. Yeah, See, exactly. it's like when you cross your eyes. You gotta be stick. careful when you pick Come your own out. nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Jorge Garcia is here with Matt and Breadmouth. Yeah. <laughs> We're bringing it back. It's fine. And then it became, and then it became my tag uh, name. Is that uh, like your gamer tag? You gotta like, do uh, like, no, my, like my, my gamer tag. Yeah. You gotta do like a yuck mouth parody. They call me Breadmouth because <laughs> I eat bread, but uh, I don't brush too. They uh, no, no. I, I, when I started like doing graffiti tag, that was like that was like a reverse dad comment. Is it like a gamer tag? What like is that? You went too far into the future. What is that? A gaming <laughs> tag? Hold it back. Is that some kind of gaming tag? It's a gaming tag. God, fuck. I just don't know how to use words. Uh, I'm sorry. Do you, you want headphones? I don't know. Should I? If you want. It feels, it feels so much more official. It does. It is pretty official, and then you can hear... I never know what I sound like. They can you hear every breath. You oh, like, you mean you don't listen to the podcast all the time, Matt? Matt, do you want Should headphones? we be? Is that a thing we should be doing? <laughs> you want... Yeah, I'll take tiny headphones. Okay. Thanks, man. Hold me closer, tiny headphones. I was just about to sing that, and then you beat me to it because you decided to just say it. I just said it. I'm not gonna use yeah. the I'm not gonna use the Kobe headphones though. Oh well that's good information for the listeners. Listen, Kobe, <laughs> come on. You're gonna use the Bowers and Wilkinsons. That's right. Actually that's that's Wilson. Kobe's uh, uh that's Wilkins. their like catchphrase. Kobe, come on. <laughs> Kobe, <laughs> you're in an airport. Come on. Yeah. You, gonna... you forgot your headphones. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you gonna use? Just shitty ones on a plane? Vending Kobe. machine headphones. Kobe. Kobe. One time I got a Come on, you don't need that nine bucks. I got uh, I, I forgot headphones and I went to the Best Buy vending machine and then uh two headphones came out when I bought one. Sweet. So great. you called the company to give them back, right? Yeah, oh, I did it. You are untrustworthy bread mouth. Hey, it's, imagine what I'm gonna do when the pizza vending machines start coming to America. Oh, Oh, that sounds great. You hear about that? I saw something P- on it. I pizza vending machines it. coming to the States. Thanks, Japan. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Jorge Garcia, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the show. We were just thanking Thanks. Japan for pizza. You know, when I was in Madrid, they had a gold vending machine. I saw one of those. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous looking. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I want a little bar of gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, you look at the locations, it's like there's like the one in Madrid, there's like a couple in Germany, and like everywhere else, it's like, uh, like Saudi Arabia and like. <laughs> Emirates. I'll be right back. I just need to go get some bouillon. Does anyone want bouillon cubes? Yes. Anyone want gold bouillon? Well, well, I'm shaking not. it, trying yeah. to put your hand up it for more gold. Well, now we just report. They just reported on Attack of the Show, and then Argentina, they dis- they discovered there was a crossover between fans of beer and fans of rugby. 
So they have these vending machines. Attack of the show broke this Never. (laughs) (laughs) So they they made these vending machines that in order to dispense the beer, you have to body slam it. Wow. And there's like a meter on it that tells you how hard you slam it. Oh, that's awesome. Wouldn't wouldn't the the shaking of it, though, make the beer all fizzy and then explode when you open it? Do you think they care? I would think there would be more vending machine-related deaths than... Whether or not the beer is going to be fizzy, it'd be, like, it'd be like in Breaking Bad, and just fall on top of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just another way to expand the rugby crushing death. <laughs> <laughs> we need more crushing. It's enough that they knock the fence down and stampeded people. <laughs> <laughs> now the beer machine is killing them. <laughs> we were concerned that too many of the deaths were happening on the field, so we really oh, wanted right. to take it into yeah, the private sector. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you been to Argentina? Uh, I have. Uh, when I was really little, I remember buying, you know, it's like the thing I remember about, I went to um, Bariloche. We took the train there from Chile. My dad was from Chile. Okay. And so we took the train from Chile to Argentina. And two things I remember. One was when you flush the toilet on the train, it just kind of flapped open and you saw the tracks. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, and they had, you know, those like whippersnapper firecracker things. It's yeah. like the little rock wrapped in piece, piece of paper. You throw it and it snaps. They had those, but they were really nice looking. They looked like little styrofoam gumdrops. <laughs> like they were just like, it's like, wow, they really kind of classed They're so it up. far ahead of us like with pop kind of, and snap technology. Yeah, exactly. It was really, really awesome. And those are the two things you took. <laughs> and that is it. Well, that landscape is beautiful. I, I was 11. In Argentina, and so you my priorities shit on the were there. It's you, you, I think uh, because Mexico is so close, I think a lot of people think, oh, South America is not that far away. But it's like 20 hours or something to yeah. get to Argentina. Yeah, it was um, Yeah, because it, it was two legs. Like one was just to fly to Florida, and then the next was connecting there. I remember being on the plane forever. Yeah, that's a long flight, huh? That was before iPods and smartphones. What did we do to occupy our time as kids? Crosswords. A lot of coloring. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that those long trips we'd take. My parents drove cross country all the time. And it was just, yeah, that's what it was. Stock up on coloring books and Mad Libs. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone give me an Nothing adjective. Nothing kills a room like Mad Libs. Like, how many times can you write fart down? <laughs> I need an adjective. Farting. 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 Yeah. Uh, did you grow up in, what part, what part of the country did you grow up in? Uh, South Orange County, uh, San Capistrano, San Clemente, down there. San Capistrano is really nice. It is. Uh, it's interesting. Every time, like you drive down now, they're they're leveling off another side of the freeway and putting a whole another, you know, Best Buy or just big yeah. giant giant box stores are just popping up all over the place. But um, it was it was it's it was a nice place to grow up in for sure. And did that? Did you? What's what's your background of? Did you study acting or comedy or anything in school? Uh, no, I went to UCLA. I, I, I mean, I did like, you did? Yeah. Where? I was there. Guys, you can be proud just, of it. You can be, speak just, up. Just, just between us. Uh, just between <laughs> me. Uh, I was there 89 to 90. <laughs> the 80s, you were in college. That's so old. <laughs> Hang on a sec. Matt, I have a dick for you. I'm going <laughs> to want you to suck on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like 89 <laughs> to 93, was I was there. Right. I was there 92 to 95, so. Sweet. Um... But uh, you're going back there soon. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm. They actually asked if I'd speak at the um, the Com Studies graduation thing. 
That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome and, and nerve wracking at the same time for me right now. <laughs> did you take was com your major? Yeah, yeah, that's the major I was in. Do you remember? Did you have a professor named Jeff Cole? I did. That's awesome. That <laughs> Jeff Cole was like the trench coat wearing professor that all the kids loved, and oh, he kind of really? he kind of talked, kind of spoke our language, and just sort of cut through the shit. Everyone loved Jeff. Yeah, Cole. captain, yeah. my captain. Yeah, he yeah. was like your first college professor that you had that feel those feelings about. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Changing the world and new ideas. Oh man, <laughs> not taking crap. <laughs> what do they teach you in the upper division communication studies major? Because I always thought it might be a fun major, but I just never knew what the. Oh, uh, you learn stuff like you know the effect of violent TV on children. There's none, and, right? Uh, you know, different. You know, it's all like, you know, it's all based of you know, parent parenting helps. Parenting's good. <laughs> uh, you know. So it's like uh, there's one time where Jim Carrey made some comments. You know, maybe if we just kind of hug our children a little closer. <laughs> uh, like certain things about like um, different communication law and, you know, I don't know. It was, a, it was a lot of different things. It just always sounded like one of those majors like, oh, that'd be really fun. What is, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I, I ended up in the philosophy department. Yeah. I was like, yeah, but it's like, but the classes are like, you know, you're t- classes about movies, classes about television, because, oh, there's a little interpersonal communication stuff in there too. Ah, maybe that's useful. And, you know, it's just kind of, uh, you know, those kind of things. It's about like publishing and journalism and stuff. So I was like, yeah, these are kind of things I, I wouldn't mind dabbling in for a little while. And that's just kind of where I went to. Now, basically, I, I think the internet has killed the comm major because you could learn all those things just on Google. I think I killed the comm major. Why? I never finished it. Oh, was that your major? Yeah. Well, it was me. It was. It started as communications, and then it went turned into digital media production. Yeah. Uh, and then I uh, left. I got kicked out. Let's okay, those you are got, two well, different. Out? And they yeah. said, "That's it. We're retiring <laughs> the major." <laughs> major is no. If we were wrong. <laughs> We were if wrong. Matthew Myra can succeed <laughs> at this major. <laughs> nobody will. <laughs> they, they, did they hang your jersey up in front of the comm building? I'd have no, to go back it to see. In an effigy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was fun. I guess college. I right? took a communication arts class in high school. We didn't have that at my high school. We had a lot of yeah. theology classes and yeah. that you had to take. It, uh, it was taught by a, a Mormon married couple. Uh, Wait, the couple taught the class? Yeah. It was really, it was really weird. And like, uh, they would talk about how like, you know, film is like, you know, these, these movies are great. These movies are great. And I said, what, what about the Godfather? They're like, oh no, it's a, it's a horrible movie. We've never seen it. Cause they can't, cause they can't see it. I like the follow up. It's a horrible movie. Yeah, we've, we've never, never seen, seen it. it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how can you say it's, you know, it's not a good movie. It's like one of the best, you know, classics of all time. It's regarded as such. And they're like. Uh, well, it, we, no. no well, what we kind of because they're Mormon? They what can't. kind of movies could they watch? We watch. Or did you know, they they, watch? I'll give it to them. The, Milo and Otis. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of you know a lot of old John Huston movies. We, like like I'll give it to them for that. Like I did get to see a lot of movies I probably wouldn't have come across anyway, yeah. like Treasure of Sierra Madre, right, and uh, African Queen, and um, but not like Angel Heart. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they did show me though one of my like it's still one of my favorite movies, Breaking Away. I never, I hadn't seen it before, and they showed it in the class, and it's still still one of my favorite ones. Fucking townies. Yeah. How did you get from uh, how did you get from the comm major? Was acting a thing you were pursuing? Uh, well, I, I I like I act like I would do things in high school, uh, and I did one play at UCLA. Kind of kind of going again. A college education was like a appease my parents with the backup plan. 
system. Mm-hmm. And then after I graduated, I uh, went to, uh, I got a job at Borders in Westwood. Yes. Oh. Just uh, so I wouldn't move back home because I thought it was really easy to get comfortable once you got, if you did that. And Now this Borders, what did they sell? They were, they were a bookstore, bookstore and cafe. Okay. I, I know that word. They did all those things, and um, for uh, a little stint, <laughs> <laughs> they had their time. And uh, um, there, hanging out with actors who were also working there is kind of what really made me go. I should probably just get back into trying to do this thing. And um, I joined an acting class at the Beverly Hills Playhouse, and it kind of went from there. Do you, do you think those uh, acting classes help? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the BHP, I feel I owe my career to, uh, definitely. Um, just, uh, if one thing, it's just great having a place to be a part of a community. Um, cause you know, it's, it's this whole idea of like, you know, LA is basically the wild west still, you know, it's like a lot of cantinas, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people out here trying to seek their fortune. Uh, only instead of gold, it's like whatever. And, uh, gold and so machines. it's good having uh, a supportive group of people to be around to kind of get, you know, trudge through the muck. So yeah. like to, to struggle with. with. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so that was cool. And also because it was a place to produce things and feel like you're being creative and, um, you know, you know, putting stuff up when the, real world out there isn't you know paying you to do that stuff yet <laughs> yeah, yeah it's hard i always feel bad for people who are who are actors because for for stand-ups we could you know essentially get up and do our thing every night if we wanted to and it's very easy for us and it doesn't rely on a production or really right. other people right and so you know for actors you're like oh i just want to act i just want to do this and you it's very difficult to just go do that yeah you first of all you need at least one other guy and then <laughs> you know and then you need you know you know, yeah people have to be there to see it and it, yeah there's definitely a lot more um i guess production that you have to like deal with as opposed to um being able to show up uh to do like stand up comedy cuz you don't even necessarily need a mic to you know go up and entertain people that way no well even at borders used to have uh, a comedy show actually like up uh, and i yeah. i think the first couple of shows get paid in gift certificates yeah you would get paid in gift certificates yeah. and I'm, I'm not even sure if there was a mic it might have been a shitty one but i think like for the first show i did there there wasn't really a mic it was just like standing in the corner in that in that round part oh, and just that. kind yeah. of shouting jokes at people as they were you know sifting through yeah um i did that uh, I even got uh, earned uh, a couple gift certificates doing um, stand up there. <laughs> you know, it was great because I was still on the clock, so it was kind of like getting paid double. That's oh, pretty sweet. That nice. period of time. What, what was your? So you almost became. You were almost a stand up, or you just did it to fuck well, around? Well, I dabbled in it. Like I, I did a few. Like when Pedersons, yeah, had their of course. Open mic, I'd go over there and um, and and do stuff, or or wait all day outside the Laugh Factory to do three minutes. You know, I, I did the. I did a little bit, but. Um, um, I didn't feel that I had the discipline to, well, I saw people go up and do the same six minutes every time they, they went up on stage to keep honing and working that same bit of material. And I was kept inviting my same friends to all these like bringer shows. So I always wanted to do something different every time. And so I didn't feel like I had 
you know, the discipline to really kind of, um, I don't know, craft the joke. Yeah. Well, the stand-up gene, I think, is pretty specific. If you if you have it, then you'll just keep doing it no matter what. Then you almost don't have a choice. And if you don't, then it's like, ah, this is fucking tedious and, <laughs> and largely unrewarding for many years. <laughs> but at least with acting, you could, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, stand-up is a long, sort of a long path, but with acting, it's, it can be like winning the lottery, like just like that. Oh, last week I was washing dishes. This week, on a show. Yeah, it was, it was like, I remember, like, I quit Borders um, on April Fool's Day, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, I'm uh, really leaving. Yeah, yeah. He got paid for another two weeks. After got, <laughs> <laughs> when I booked my first pilot, and, and it was just, uh, and then it turns out I quit a little early. Because <laughs> they were still hadn't found their lead for this pilot I was in, so then all of a sudden I was like going, "Oh man, my money's running out real <laughs> fast," <laughs> and I, you know, and we better start shooting this thing or else, you know, I need to start getting some, you know, Ooh. some of the job again. But um, what was the pilot? Oh, it was called. Originally, it was called Old School, but then there was this movie called Old School, so yeah. they changed it to the Originals. <laughs> Um, and, and then there was, was a band a, from Upper Brighton that was called the Originals, so we changed our name to the New Originals. And then they just came. And it was for UPN back when UPN still existed. I did a show on UPN. I remember the Up and Coming Network. No one else call does. It. No, the United Paramount Network. Mm-hmm. It had um, Judah Friedlander was in. It. Oh, Judah's oh, wow. great. That's awesome. Um, Dan Marino was. In. John Krasinski was in it. Wow. wow. Natasha Lyonne was in it. I mean, it was um, it's stacked. Show. UPN was an interesting network because they launched this, you know, like they said, we, we really want to be a network. So they launched this five night a week primetime programming lineup and within six months had pretty much abandoned all of it. Yeah. Like they didn't, they, they were like, okay, that didn't work. You're like, yeah, yeah because it takes time to let, get people to know that you have a channel. They, they kept Fox. Voyager on for seven years. They kept Voyager on for a while. Malcolm and Eddie was like their big, their big comedy hit. Oh yeah, I remember. Malcolm remember Malcolm Eddie? and Eddie? How that was on forever? It was Malcolm Jamal Warner. It was Malcolm Jamal and Warner and Eddie, Eddie Griffin. Griffin. Yeah, oh, wow. wow. Hmm. Remember Shasta, the Shasta McNasty. Shasta McNasty. Oh, Shasta yeah. McNasty. Shasta. Who was the, who's Shasta. the guy? Shasta. Was it Michael Rapaport? Shasta Cola. Shasta. Oh, the Shasta. Who was it? Wasn't Michael Rapaport? Wasn't. No, wasn't it Busey's kid? Yeah, it was Busey's kid. Oh, okay, Jake yeah. Busey. Busey's kid. <laughs> it's a charity yeah. for it's a weird, Gary Busey. It's a weird sequel to Bebe's Kids. <laughs> no, Busey's Kids, any kid who's come near. We don't die, we don't multiply. <laughs> how, many, how many pilots... Did you Were you one of those guys who was able to get a pilot every season and then it just wouldn't go and just wouldn't go and then finally... No. No, I got that one pilot. I mean, I just for a lot of pilots I tested, but I didn't get like it's kind of like uh, right out of the gate. I I I went on two pilot auditions and tested for one of them, and I was like, going, "Wow, this is gonna this is gonna work out for me real nice." And then like, there's a huge dead space where the known pilots click, uh, and so I th- that pilot um, didn't get picked up, but people who when Becker was going to be coming back um, they were looking for a new character to add to the show and they watched all the pilots that shot at Paramount including that one where they saw me and then I ended up getting um, uh, a job on Becker which lasted 13 episodes till that show got cancelled and uh, 
few months after that, Lost happened, and then you know everything's wow. kind of worked out since. It's so seductive when you <clears throat> like you book a pilot, and if you're a young actor, you haven't really worked that much before, and you're like. I booked a show, and they're going to pay me $20,000 for a week of work. Yeah. But you don't do the math in your head where you go, wait, I'm not allowed to do anything else for like a year, so that's like twenty grand for the year, but then I have to pay commissions on that, but then the government thinks I make that much every week, so they keep a lot of it. So really, I made like nine grand for the <laughs> yeah. year, yeah. for the entire year. Um, yeah, I had to coast on that for a while. Like I, I had, um, I was, I was coasting on... Uh, that money, and then it got to about um, August when I ran out of money, and I was gonna have to borrow rent money from my parents. And uh, the mo the same time I got the check, I also got a residual check for like a a Keystone Lake commercial that I had done at the beginning of the year, nice. which is so great when sometimes the magic happens, and then like the right check comes at the right time. And so I was able to send that check back to my parents, and then that August is when you know everything kind of exploded for me, um, because I also got uh, a Showtime movie that was uh, called Good Humor Man um, that had Kelsey Grammer in it, and it was directed by the guy who gave me my first commercial job, and then the part on Becker that turned into a series regular for. Wow, there's an episode. <clears throat> I think that's another good lesson for people is that it's first of all it's important to always be nice. Yeah, and be fun and easy to work with because everyone goes off and works on other stuff immediately. And I feel like a lot of jobs that you end up getting in this business have pretty much very little to do with oh, I just got this cold audition. It's like oh, I worked with this guy and then he called me in for this, and it's it really is you're kind of building relationships every time you work. Yeah, I think you know my my bigger jobs have been jobs that I've gotten from other jobs. Like uh, JJ called me in. For lost basically because he saw my Kirby enthusiasm and uh, that Kirby enthusiasm I actually went in for the audition the day I was taping that pilot because uh, uh, the two casting directors kind of like talked to each other a lot and would like share um, actors and information and there's nothing cooler than like going to an audition when they have to rush you in because you got to go do another job yeah you know it's kind of like when you have an audition on the day you get a paycheck it's like you just kind of go in with a whole new air of confidence (laughs) (laughs) and then and then other times it's just figuring out how to harness and fake that confidence for the times you don't have another job to go to right (laughs) what do you what do you what's your specific uh you know, are you super off book guy in the audition, or do you like work off the page, or do you make your character decisions? Do you improvise more? Um, I, I, I definitely always hold the paper. Um, I mean, that that's kind of something that I was always taught to at least have the paper in your hand. But um, uh, I, I like to know it really well. Uh, but I don't have to know everything. I think so much of it is. There, I like when I've sat sometimes on the other side and seen a lot of people come in to audition for a part and I was like, yeah, th- they all are fine. They all can do this part. And then the one person walks in that you just go, oh, okay, so that that's how this part goes. Right. Oh, wow. And there's definitely a, a feeling that, um, you know, there would be parts that I'm right for, and yes, those parts will be mine pretty easily. And and the other ones, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll show them what I do, you know, because all, all, all the only thing you have, something I 
my mind goes faster than my mouth and it just kind of starts <laughs> <laughs> turning into a stutter. But uh, it's really the only thing that you have control over is kicking ass in the room. And, and then beyond that, you just got to let it go. And if they call, great. If not. Are you a pretty comfortable guy in general? Or are you, are you, are, or do you have performer anxiety brain? I do. I mean, I, I well, I, I get nervous. I, um, but um, the, you know, I, I learned that the nerves is just that, you know, your talent getting excited because it's going to do something <laughs> and and just kind of let that, um, you know, don't let it do anything that's going to cripple me. It's like, it's like, all right, this is this is it because, you know, oh, great, I can get to go act somewhere, even if it's in a room across a desk with somebody eating their lunch. Still, <laughs> I still get to do the thing that I love to do. Yeah. And with Lost, did you guys... Did you have a sense? Because you work on a lot of pilots. When you work on pilots, they always kind of tell you, like, oh, no, this is going to be, be like the network is really behind this. And most of the time, then you never like the show goes away. You never hear about it again. But with Lost, was there was there a sense like that? This is this is a real I mean, that that fucking pilot was insane. The first few minutes of that show, I think you're like, oh, oh this is like a movie. So did you get that sense when you were shooting it? Um. Well, Lost was cool because one, I I had the job before I even read the script because they're very secretive of, about the script, and when I went in, they didn't even have sides for me to read. So they says, you know, here's some sides for a character called Sawyer. You know, it's not necessarily what you're going out for, but just they just kind of want to see what you know you do as an actor. So when I read those sides, and then chatted with them for a while after that, where they kind of just kind of got the gist of my personality and who I am, then they eventually wrote sides for Hurley for me to go and test with. Um, but working on it, really, I just kind of figured, if anything, I get a trip out of Hawaii out of the trip to Hawaii out of this. So it'll be kind of a fun little um, you know little trip. And when you really saw um, that we were um, a show to be excited about was when we were at Upfronts, and they bring everybody into this big room, like all the talent from the ABC shows are all in this one big room, watching the upfront presentation via like um, closed circuit or satellite TV. And so we were just sitting around hanging out with my friends who I just did this pilot with. And we're just, you know, drinking and, and chatting. And we're like pointing and looking. Oh, look, over there's Jim Belushi. Oh, look. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, Rick Schroeder. And, like, and we're just kind of like sitting around going yeah. like this. And uh, and they see each the new shows coming through and the clips get run. And uh, then they ran our clip. And we had a really great trailer that the room kind of went, wow. Oh, kind wow. Of thing. And I was like going, well, we might be, you know, this kind of makes us a little bit of the bell of the ball. What's great about the first upfronts is nobody knows who you are. So you get to go around and, like, kind of, like, meet actors and and play the role of the people who are there to, like, take pictures with you and all that kind of stuff as well. Because uh, you don't really have um, people lining up at your booth because nobody knows right. who you are. And, uh, um, and then the year after that, then we had a pretty big line. So it was kind of, like, cool to see that you made an impact Wow. Was it exactly what you thought it would be like the, you know, whatever, whatever sort of mythology you had built up in your head over the years of like, well, oh, someday I'm going to get on a show and it's going to be successful and it's going to be great. And then the, did it feel that way or did you did you sense that that was happening or what did you learn? Um, it. Well, it's nothing that you can really learn and prepare for. Um, there's like this kind of 
Like I, I felt my recognizability go up exponentially. Oh yeah. It was like there's a time when um, if I pulled my hair back in a ponytail, I could still be invisible. And then suddenly, even that wasn't going to do anything. Going to you know, uh, Kaneohe Mall and and stuff yeah, like that. The Windward Mall. Yeah, and uh, um, it was just kind of uh, just kind of discovering that, and kind of discovering was like going, oh, you know, there's certain things I go, oh, I didn't think I was going to be videotaped when I went to the beach. <laughs> how do you? But I guess that's part of it now. Okay. What were you going to say? How long, like, how long did it take you to be like, okay, this is it, and uh, I guess I'll deal with this? And do you hate it? Uh, I, I say I hate it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's sure hard not it. to be flattered when all you do is show up and you make someone's day. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. But it's hey, also hard yeah, tell Matt about it. <laughs> to um, have a fight with your girlfriend at Disneyland. Uh, you know, uh, there's like certain things like going, ah, uh, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, you should sure, stop taking sure, your girl. Take a picture. You should stop taking your girlfriend to Disneyland and have fights with her, though. It's a weird place. Yes. Staging fights. I'm really, Disneyland. I'm really mad. At well, no, can we go down. Can we drive down really? You quick? have to save all the screams for like Space Mountain, yeah. so it just blends in. Why do you always do this to me whenever we're in public? <laughs> that was there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, it's a you, you know when you when you're on TV, it probably gets harder to just shake people in public because then the cameras go up. <laughs> there's, there's a. I mean, I've always been kind of a homebody. It does give me an excuse to be now. <laughs> 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 I don't think people really understand, like, is it, you know, in, in what, what would really just be a sliver of your life, you're having a bad day, you're having a fight with a girlfriend, and someone comes up and they're like, will you sign my face? And you're just like, I just need a second. And then... Sign my face. Or whatever, or okay. whatever. And that's not the main part of the story, Matt. Uh, and then they go away and they're like, wow, man, that guy was a jerk. But you may have been, like, crushed inside because of something else that happened. That's what, it's like I recently had a, uh, a moment where I saw I was a disappointment to someone who met me. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like I, saw, I had a moment with somebody who came up to me, um, and I was in line at, like, a valet line. And they were like, oh, hey, yeah, I just saw you do that thing in there. And I was like, oh, thanks, cool. And I, I'm, a, I'm a shy person. <laughs> like, it takes a big effort for me to, like, put myself out there and be like, hi, how are you? What's your name? And, and, and do uh, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's um, getting into acting is part of why, you know, because I'm shy and it kind of gives, me, gives you a place to um, let that stuff out. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I, I I was probably I don't know a little short with like I, I I couldn't I didn't really have anything I felt to kind of further the conversation, and I just kind of had this we hit this moment and it was like, and she was like, okay, well you know it was it was you know nice to meet you and 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 she turned to walk away and and you could see in the way she looked at me from the side of you know from, oh, from the side of her eyes, I was like going oh man she's, another unsatisfied customer she's she's going to go talk about me you should have just committed and as she walked away just go and stay out <laughs> Someone thinks I'm a jerk now. <laughs> and there's nothing you could... It's just your brain froze in that like, moment because when uh, you don't have any... Yeah. Because she has information about you, but you have no information about her, so you don't know what to ask. Right. So it's not... So sometimes I fall back on the, how's that thing you're doing? 
like it's a joke, and it just kind of like warms up, and they'll go, "Oh, that thing's great," and then every, and then everything's comfortable, then now, everything's all right. Anytime someone hears me say, "How's that thing you're doing?" They're gonna be like, "Ah, uh, you totally stole that." <laughs> <laughs> I just ran into Chris Hardwick, and he said the same <laughs> thing. I don't have and, a thing, okay? And, and the thing's going great. Thank you very much. <laughs> when uh, we've uh, we've talked to other lost folks before on on here, you know, Damon um, Damon Lindelof had been saying that because people say, "Well." You have the whole thing planned out, the whole series planned out. And he's like, well, we have some things planned out, but you have to understand that as you go along, the, a show is made up of human beings, and sometimes they change or they change their minds. Like, Mr. Echo was going to have this entire storyline, then decided he didn't want to be in Hawaii anymore, so we had to change that storyline. And then, you know, someone from the audience is like, well, oh, really tough living in Hawaii for all that time. <laughs> They're like, well... Yeah, kind you know, if you're isolated from your home and you're living on an island, how did, how did you take the experience? Hawaii? Yeah. Oh, I love Hawaii. Hawaii I miss Hawaii every day. Hawaii yeah. is like where I think I'm going to end up. Like I I stayed in Hawaii during hiatus. I just decided I was going to make Hawaii home and um I mean I was I was, you know, I wasn't in a great apartment anyways cuz this was kind of like the first time I started seeing real money. <laughs> but um the uh yeah, so Hawaii, I was like, going, all right, I'm just going to live here and, and, and make this, you know, where I live for these next, you know, however long the thing took me. And it was a good six years. It's a great place. It's just, it, it's, uh, it sounds like kind of crazy, but it's like a special place that there's no other, you know, feeling like it. It's so specific. The people in the place is so specific to it that, like, you know, it's like it's, it, there's no other place where you can be like, oh, this is nice. It's kind of like being in Hawaii. Accepted unless you're in Hawaii. Yeah, but in Hawaii, you must be extra special king there because you sort of represent this really special idea and this show that's you know that that people love. But it's and it's but it's very it's very Hawaiian in in its roots. He's not Doug the Bounty Hunter. What? <laughs> you don't catch people for money. You don't smell ice in the air. <laughs> Part two. This is crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean there's. Definitely a um they welcomed us being there. Um they they you know they liked that we were a good show that was shooting there for sure. That was definitely a uh, a source of pride for them. And the only cool thing about being in Hawaii to do Lost was uh you got to forget um the level that the show was at in the sense that this became just a show that me and my friends do out in the jungle. You know, and sometimes mm. we'll get together once a week and we'll watch what we did. Yeah. And you didn't have to um, think about, like, how big the show was until you then would go and do, like, um, a panel at Comic-Con. You know, going, wow, I can't even see the back of that room. Yeah. I was like, I guess this is a bigger deal than I realized, you know. I, I thought it was, uh, I, I guess it was on the final, maybe the final episode. I guess it was the final episode when all you guys did Kimmel. Yeah. And, uh... And it was uh, the actor who played Saeed <laughs> very proudly said, I've never watched the show. And everyone was like, there was this weird kind of gasp from the audience like. <laughs> yeah, we, we made him watch one, actually. At one point. <laughs> Is that um, just a preference for him? Like he doesn't like watching himself? Or? Yeah, he's, he's not. I don't think he likes to uh, watch his own stuff. There's a certain all. school of acting that. Where, or there's a certain thing that a, that a large, larger than you think number of actors have, where they where number one they kind of get weirded out watching themselves, or number two they they get they're afraid that if they watch themselves that they'll get too in their head about their performance, yeah. 
and so they won't they won't do it. But some people just can't stand to watch themselves. I think like Brad Pitt was saying something like that in an interview recently. Like he doesn't watch any of his movies or Johnny Depp or someone like that. I, I, yeah, I think I heard Depp say it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's also the same thing. It's like the idea of like, you know, back there was a day when people would go in and watch dailies. And, and as an actor, I don't know, because you, you'll start seeing things like going, ah, oh, does my nose always crinkle like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It actually and, and crinkled when you said that. That's not what you want to think about when you're trying to yeah. do a scene. You know, or it's like going, oh, why is my hand so weird looking right there? Yeah. 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 I got to stand up straight. <laughs> you know, it's weird in season three. Uh, Hugo's character's hands, right hands, always in his pocket for some yeah. reason. It's always in his yeah. pocket. You never, and he's he crinkled his nose. Yeah, it's like, man, I need a better T-shirt. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of thing. Uh, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't. Uh, I have kind of the opposite of what Naveen has, where it's like, you know, I'll watch anything and be like, you know, and usually I'm a fan of it. Um, uh, I didn't go to the that Jimmy Kimmel um, night that when he they they had asked, but it was kind of like this was like. For me, it was like, man, this is the end of a huge, significant portion of my sure. life. So I just kind of was like, I think I'm just going to watch it at home with yeah. my friends instead. Um, but, um, you know, and, and I just kind of watched their thing on TV when it came on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you appreciated it at the time, or did you have to get the hindsight of like, oh, that really was like one of the best experiences of my life? Well, it was definitely it was cool knowing when your that your show was ending as opposed to like um when sometimes you'll get you know just you know you just find out it says, "Oh yeah, you guys aren't coming back and it's like, oh <laughs> okay anyways, I guess to go back to uh <laughs> working on my garden again uh when your garden's looking good, that means the yeah. career's not going well yeah. and uh the um there there was definitely having that final season to be precious about it was really cool and just kind of getting to have that kind of you know your senior year moment of like going man this is gonna be the last time we're gonna be shooting oh, yeah. a lot of memories in these that's halls. crazy a lot of memories in these trees <laughs> a lot of memories in this hatch and uh and so that that was cooler and, and getting you know getting the last script delivered like everything was kind of feeling like this is a moment this is a moment this is a moment but probably the biggest one was was the moving uh back to the mainland was probably the biggest significant kind of thing about it. And then just kind of like uh, the fall lineup. Yeah. No. And new shows coming out. And Time moved on. I don't see. Yeah. yeah. Oh, flash forward. This is an interesting idea for a show. <laughs> <laughs> How did they come up with that one? That started a year before it ended, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Although, like, or like, I, but I was, you know, that stuff I was happy about. I was like, like, invasion. I was like, cool. I'll watch it. You know. Yeah. You know, you know, if 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 you had, even just because when we came on, there was definitely a struggle to figure out where they were going to put us. I mean, that's why we our leading was the Bachelor because like it was like they we, we there wasn't a way they could build a night around Lost because there wasn't anything else that kind of matched. And so um, the fact that it inspired a lot of, like, kind of cool, weirder kind of shows. You could have put According to Jim on right before. Hey, there's Jim Belushi again. <laughs> and Rick Schroeder. <laughs> I, I would watch a show with the two of them. NYPD Jim. Whatever it would have been. I don't know. According to Rick. There you go. According to the champ. <laughs> he made himself cry in that last scene, you know. 
According to spoons. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was trying to. That was like a silver, silver spaloosh. So according they, to spoons. They, they ride a toy train to justice. Ah. Millionaire kid is also yeah. a cop. Well, I think that's Batman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, you're right. Yeah. No, that's a billionaire kid who's oh, also a, a detective. I have a feeling that uh, Mitt Romney is a uh, Batman. You think so? Yeah. Like, he's got the jawline for it. I just want to say in the, uh, I mean, uh, Mr. President, uh, in this debate, I, uh, you will find justice. Or the, the helicopter. <laughs> I, since you kind of got a front row seat for this whole experience in these seven years, did, did you feel like you pretty much, you seem like just, you still seem like a nice, sweet, normal guy. Did you, did, <laughs> you do. <laughs> did anyone oh, else? Good, I fooled them. <laughs> did, did did you kind of notice everyone else? Like, hey, you don't have to say names, but like eh, that person's going a little uh, crazy. That person's going a little kooky. Maybe because they, I don't know. Maybe you're trapped on an island, or maybe because they're you know getting famous, more famous, or whatever. Or was um, everyone pretty cool? Crazy is a not crazy. Word. Not crazy, but just sort of like oh, they've they're definitely affected by what's happening. I mean, happening. there's I mean, there's this kind of thing when you first move to. Hawaii to do a show like this. Uh, when you shoot the pilot, you're all in the same hotel. And then when you first move there, you're your only friends. So it was kind of like every weekend at the Fox's house, hanging out by the pool or, you know, and, and, or the beach and stuff like that. It was, we saw each other outside of work and, and during work um, all the time. Also, during that first time the uh, on the show, the the group was just hanging out in the same beach the whole time, so there wasn't like a lot of splitting up and excursions, like half the people in the caves and half the people on the beach, <laughs> or you know, some people going to Othersville and other people, you know, you know, going to find the ship. Um, so in a sense, there was, you know, we 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 were around each other and kind of had a pretty strong core at the beginning. But as the show progresses, you know, people have lives and they have kids in school who have stuff on the weekends and stuff as everyone kind of started like um you know getting real lives going on there i mean uh that happened a little less i guess um but um at work it was always pretty um easy and smooth and you know we still kind of uh got along with everybody i'm i'm a guy who gets along with everybody so there may have been some people who had issues with other people but it wasn't really something that um found its way into my day well that's good it i i think i mean no matter what happens i think people kind of come out of it with whatever issues they came in with that might have just been buried in their head and maybe some of that comes out i do think um a lot of times um as just actors in general uh the people who are Dicks, we're dicks beforehand, <laughs> <laughs> and and the fame and the money kind of just became a catalyst for them to you know be able to do it more. You're yeah. talking about the actress that plays Rose, right? <laughs> <laughs> knew it. I fucking knew it. <laughs> you can just see it on screen. Just the seething rage. Um, and and I find that you know everywhere. I think. It's definitely um, the people who seem to have uh, staying power are the people who can get along with people. Yeah. For sure. I remember um, the 
when I was on Becker, there was like moments and 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 talking like to Danson, who's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And yeah, just kind of, uh, um, you know, him talking to the executive producer about how when he was on finally on Becker's, like they got him at his good years. You know, like when he was like you know a cool guy and a yeah. nice guy to be around. He was he, he had the best thing that first week I was working on Becker. I was scared to death and um, trying too hard and everything I did. And nervous, like every 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 time, I I would do a line. It's like being a guest star is very nerve wracking because you can get replaced, the easiest it seems. Uh, yeah. on the set, and so it's every time you're doing whatever you're doing, you're basically auditioning for your job again, yep. and again, and again, and again <laughs> for the whole week. And there was a moment at the end of like the first day of rehearsing. Uh, and you know, I was like, okay, getting my stuff and getting ready to go and, uh, head, head out. And I'm passing to dancing on the way out. And, um, and I just kind of do kind of the eyebrow wave, you know, I didn't yeah. want to, <laughs> I didn't even want to go too much. So I'm going, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Thing. And he, uh, as I pass him, he stops and he puts his hand and he's, he's a very, tall person so he puts his hand down on my shoulders and he says i'm so glad you're here oh and uh, that's really like one of the moments that's made you know i still remember it as like one of these key moments in my career and just kind of uh uh definitely kind of made the whole week for me and then he fucked you i guess you let him do it he's ted fucking dancing (laughs) i just think that uh it's hard any group dynamic is hard to come in when you're the new guy and 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 existing and you must have had that on lost at the uh the two, uh, the two Kayla, the Keely Sanchez and uh, and the other yeah. guy who came in, and I, I mean I and I feel bad. I think what was that like season four maybe, where all of a sudden they were just there and it was sort of written like, oh these survivors were here the whole time, right? And, and we it, reshoot things, yeah, and yeah. put them in the old scenes. And the, as a fan, I think I kind of felt like you don't get to go up and call him Hurley. You yeah. don't know who he is. You know, like as a fan, I was like, who yeah. the fuck are these people? They, they but, called him the Get Losties. <laughs> but that was, I think. Part of it was also like there was a whole faction of fans going like, when are we going to learn about the other people? Yeah, who were also in that group? Because like you know, it's just it's like we would always joke when we're sitting around a fire and doing our scenes, like going over oh, there that fire. Those people got their own show. It's <laughs> <laughs> a comedy. Talk about stuff happening. Yeah. There was and, a there was a nod to that once where it was I, I forget who it was, but like the guy was like. Like you guys are always going off and having your Roebuck. own adventure. Yeah, it's Danny yeah. Roebuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it just like oh. Dr. Arts when he's having that scene with me. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a hard scene to sit to, to like not laugh during. <laughs> um, it was um, yeah, him saying you know says how come they get the good pieces of wreckage? <laughs> <laughs> Because there's all those scenes, you know, there's all those, especially like those flashback scenes where it's just like shit's falling from the side sky and you see all these people scattering. You're like, who the fuck is that? Where, where did that guy ever go? Right. Yeah. Right, and then and, and it's great because you had a lot of the same people the whole time. And yeah, every now and then there'll be someone new and be like, "Oh, wait a minute." <laughs> but I think that's that's one of the things that I came to love about the show was that you you never knew a- a- anyone there could potentially become a rabbit hole that yeah. you would all that ultimately like. Oh, you really well. There was a period of time there was that hypochondriac in like season one, like right about the same episode with the golf. There's the guy who kept going up to Jack. He was a guy who wore glasses. He did oh. like two episodes. Yeah. And uh, I forgot what his character's name. Not everybody on the internet's going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was several years ago. Um, and and it was that same kind of thing. And so then uh, that might have been like a buffer guy. So when they introduced Ethan, that you go, 
oh, he's just another one of these guys that they're going to introduce. And, and, and then later you find out he's another and the whole thing explodes. Spoiler alert. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting people telling me this. Hey, I just started watching Lost. Oh, spoiler it's alert. so weird. Uh, spoiler alert from nine years ago, really? I, I, uh, I, I, did, did, were you happy with the, uh, or did you feel pretty comfortable about the, because I feel like every season sort of had a theme. Yeah. You know, like, what, like one, one season was all, felt to me, it was all about this weird corporate conspiracy and the Hanzo Corporation, and then you'd go online and see all these weird, like, alternate reality kind of, Gaming right, right, right. videos like, oh, I found a clue and a right. commercial, and then another a fake in search of a fake in search of yeah, yeah. and then another an- another year was about uh, all about science, and then another year was all about spirituality. I mean, did you kind of were you sort of happy with the, the the path the show took and the way it wrapped up? I like that how every season the show had a certain level of reinvention where it's like. It's like this first season is just about survival and just kind of making it through, and the next one, you know, was like the story of, you know, the other part of the plane and us kind of coming together, and it's just kind of like, oh, and then what's, what's the next one going to be in store? Uh, I like the way it all worked out. Um, it's the a lot of people still kind of sore about the ending. Eh, kind of interesting <laughs> to still come out, and they they always like. Um, they're always leading the witness. They're always like sure. saying, like, so what do you think about how it ended? Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know. I ended up with the island at the end. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I think it went pretty nicely. Your storyline was probably the like the most satisfying end, I think, to the uh, in the in, out of all the characters. I just think that it, I think that a series a series like that where they where they built up um and, and Damon's been on the podcast a few times and I, I love that guy. And I, I and I, I think um you know the, the so many of the things that they were that they were setting up in the series it was just impossible to wrap up every single thing that had been you know that had been right. set up in previous seasons because the show was so dense and complex yeah and you have no idea what are the things that people are going to latch on to in that show um like i don't think they had any idea that the numbers were going to take on such a life of their own afterward right. so then it started becoming a thing that's all right let's Let's put it on the let's put it on the soccer jerseys, you know. It's trying to become a thing. Where else can we put these numbers? Uh, and uh, you know, it, it kind of just you know becomes a, like a wink you want to do with your audience, but then they they put so much value into it that's like going, oh no, there's not going to be any way we're going to be to pay this off with any satisfaction because it's way too significant now to yeah. to be anything. In fact, I was just. Um, last weekend at this uh, this fundraising event, and a woman kept coming up to me and, and was telling me about the ending of Lost and being like saying, you know, this is like, but they never they never explained the numbers. This is, no, they did. You know, the numbers represented, you know, the numbers in this cave that represented people, and that was kind of this whole, like, yeah, but then they never explained, you know, <laughs> well, they kind of did. You know, if you were watching, you know, you would see, like, the food drops. Well, they kind of did this little addendum piece, and the- I think it, I I mean it that stuff like that is happens all the time. If it like you know in in uh, in Temple of Doom, it, they went to Club Obi Wan. Like, oh, that's a fun reference yeah. for people who will get it and who are yeah. really paying attention. But you know, if anyone, but it, so in a weird sort of way with the numbers, it sort of feels like wow, the audience kind of starts writing the story at that point because yeah. yeah, they yeah, start yeah. expecting it to be a thing, and then right. the. Right, and they start seeing things in places, and um, and it's it's in the idea of like, you know, oh, let's put a Dharma symbol on that shark. 
know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that comes from Brian Burke sitting in there going like, oh, man, how the hell do I make this shark look real? <laughs> and they go, let's throw a Dharma symbol on it. You know, then you know, then you'll forget about. Oh, that's a fake-looking shark. They're just being like, "Holy cow! Did you see that shark?" <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I I I approach it. I mean, I, I approach a lot on that show as sort of like a comedy writer in the sense, like, hey, it'd be really funny just to have a polar bear on the island and then never explain it, <laughs> and then all of a sudden people are like, "You better fucking explain that polar bear." You're like, "Oh shit, I have to explain that." Yeah. I just thought it'd be cool. I just yeah. thought this thing would be cool. Why do we have to, you know, it's it's funny. I think people are divided on what they want explained and what they don't want explained. And I think, you know, Damon, they tried to use, you know, he sort of used the force. I'm like, do you have to know exactly what every, you know, people, right. some people right. got up in arms when they explained the midichlorians. And it's like, well, you know, half of the people would have been like, what? I really want to know what that is. But the other half are like, no, I want it to be mystical. Yeah. Or like that men in black origin story. And um, that that was a big dividing kind of episode as well. And it's like, okay. And and they're like, yeah, but what happened before then? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, what le- who, who who built that other statue or, you know, all those, all those other things. Well, that's why yeah. Will Smith goes back in time. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. That's one. Men in Black 3. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking that's about Titus Welber. The origin of but that's coming up a lot right now, especially with uh, everyone uh, going crazy for Prometheus. Right, it's like it's like it's like, but wh- who are those? Who are the architects? Why did they? And where did they? And I'm like, well, it's just kind of neat. They're there, isn't it? Yeah, you know, everyone I, wants everything. You know, they want to tie together, <laughs> but then they don't want too many answers. I guess it's just. I guess Damon it's, just can't get a break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I feel bad. Get off the like, guy's dick already. Like, Every kid's are bringing the lost up. It's like the same thing. I was like, no, but it's fun. <laughs> like I had a blast watching Prometheus. You know, you, you you fucking write Star Trek or Lost or Prometheus. Yeah. And then fucking come back to me. You know, like it, mm. I think he does a great I think he does a great job. And I think it's and I think it's fun. And there are certain pieces that, you know, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think that everything necessarily has to be explained, but I did really you know, I, I do remember getting super interested in the show when it was all about science and physics and yeah. Faraday and Faraday's mother and you know, ma- magnetic points and, and that sort of that sort yeah, of shit. It definitely became a show that uh you know that would make you go to Wikipedia or like you like you you see like a book show up on the show. You're going ooh, and and it would definitely kind of create a more fulfilling experience of watching the show if you wanted it. Yeah, you know that you could go after it and, and do the extracurricular stuff. Yeah, well that's the thing is that I think I think one of the biggest feats for for that show was that uh, for a show that was that popular and mainstream, it was. It was very you really had to pay attention to follow it. And most most show most really big shows you don't really have to pay attention to that like people as a whole don't love having to pay too close of attention to stuff that they're watching. Yeah. Uh yeah, and we were definitely going to show that people watched more than once. And um I mean, that show is really the whole reason that I I found out that podcasting existed too just cuz we had a, there was a whole bunch of stuff that was about the show that was out there on the internet and it kind of made it what i liked about podcasts on the show that i would listen to was it became uh, a way to get what the forums are saying in a nice little audible oh yeah sound yeah. sound capsule that i can listen to on the drive time to work and i can be like you know they're on to us <laughs> <laughs> they're on to us with all the tarps <laughs> we got too many tarps <laughs> 
we got to talk about some shipment of tarps that was on that plane when it crashed. Did you have that kind of relationship with the writers where you would sort of come in and go, hey, I think this is happening, or can I suggest this, or did they pretty much? Well, it was kind of, because we shot in Hawaii, and it was written in Burbank, so it was kind of, uh, kind of like the communication that I had with the writers was more based on what I did with what they gave me. And mm-hmm. sometimes they'd be like going, oh, that was really great. Um, we're going to write a lot more tragedy for you now, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Um, and the, But I would talk to, um, like, Jack Bender, who was in Oahu um, and um, basically gave the show the look that it had, uh, was, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I talk about. Like, I was perhaps the most vigilant on set for that kind of continuity stuff um, where I'd sit and I was going, when we go to what was called Boone Hill was our little graveyard Mm -hmm. section. And I was like going, wait a minute. We have two, we need another mound here. And we kind of like going through, no, no, no. Because that's that's where Boone is. And like that's where where Shannon is. (laughs) And I go, no, no, no. The girl that drowned. We need the girl that drowned. And and it's kind of like each one has to have you know, a certain amount of growth on it. You know, some have to look fresher than others. And kind of like, that was that was kind of, every now and then I, I, I try and catch us before. I was like, come on, if we don't we don't fix this now, the internet's going to go blaze with it. <laughs> you guys, come on, they talk about everything. They yeah. know, every grain of sand. Yeah. I feel, do you, do you, do you like the, do you like time travel as the sort of, uh, as the sort of foundation of uh, of of a plot line, do you enjoy that, or do you just feel like, oh, it's so messy because the continuity is so hard? I I but I like the complication of time travel. Like um, I I kind of got into it because of the show, but since then, and having like kind of looked at like you know this this book on like introduction to time and just how time is such this weird ethereal concept that you can just play with forever uh it really you know became something that was kind of fun to do that's one of my favorite scenes to ever do was the whole thing between the scene between hurley and miles talking about um time travel and who can die and who can't die yeah yeah do you uh do you like the idea that there are like fixed points in time or do you do you think like oh it's all you know if you went back you could change anything and it's not really gonna matter I, I like that, that that whole idea of like you know, but if you change something, then it branches into a different timeline. That, right, that alternate time. 1985. The alternate 1985, yeah. where he flips up the chalkboard. He's yeah. like, oh, we went back here, and then this." But then there's so many. But when you start creating alternate timelines, it's like, "Oh, well, was that always supposed to happen?" Or if you went back before that alternate timeline was created, could you stop the alternate timeline? But then would that create an alternate yeah. timeline? I feel like if you think about it too much, you're just you're not. I feel like we're not supposed to think about it too yeah. much. That's what's crazy uh, about watching the movie Time Crimes is that like you're like, is he doing this stuff? Because Chrono Criminus. Yes, Chrono Criminus. Fucking great. great. Have you seen movie. Time Crimes? No. Uh, it's a sp- it's a Spanish time travel movie. Gross. <laughs> but it's not like it's not super sci-fi time travel. It's just it's just a function of the plot, and it's fucking great. Yeah, it's oh, and cool. it gets to a point where you're like, it's like. You know, it almost too brain melty. Same with Primer. Yeah. Primer, I thought it was way too brain melty for me. Did you see Primer? No. That was another, it was like an indie film, and their time machine was basically like a tarp, where a guy kind of goes into this tarp in a storage unit and then comes out and he's gone back in time, and it... But you have to have it turned on for a certain amount of time. It's so, it's yeah, so, it's just, you, uh, it, the movie makes sense, makes sense, and halfway through you start going... 
what's going on? And any review that I read about that movie, they would, I was like, I have to have someone explain this to me. They would always get to about act three and then go, and then I don't really know what, how this worked gets, here. Yeah. All of a sudden you're just like, it gets like exciting, but you don't know why. And it's just confusing. Like I was always a fan, like like that when the, that show Journeyman was on, yeah, and just the whole idea of like, you know, because it took away that ooh time travel cool. It was like, man, time traveling ruins your life. <laughs> it's so hard to maintain. It's like the same thing that Time Traveler's Wife movie is like. Yeah, it's so hard to have a relationship with anybody when you're traveling through time all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like that, there's a moment in Journeyman where he's got his kid, he's in the public place, and suddenly he knows he's about to jump, and he's gonna like, and like there's no one here to take his kid. Yeah, and and just like on and, and and just the, you know, it's like yeah, it's careful what you wish for. <laughs> what did, what did you what 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 did you learn from reading the introduction to time book that you that sort of was there anything in there where you're like holy shit I guess that's true I never thought about that. Well, it's it's that whole idea of like like time is something that you think you understand until someone asks you to explain it, kind of thing. Yeah, it's that kind of like um, how there's no. Like measuring time, like I can see the numbers move on that clock right now, but you know, those are numbers are just relative to some other thing. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. Those are just numbers moving, and we just kind of all agreed that we're going to measure time with stuff like these numbers that move. Yeah, and uh, that that's the kind of stuff that just kind of sit there, and it's one of these kind of books that you just kind of like. Re- it's done with like pictures. And, Sound, and I like it. And, 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 I know that series. It's, it's real. I know that all those, series. Yeah. yeah, all those. Like, I also have like the relativity one. I think, and it's just kind of like it's good. It's like read this cartoon and then put the book down and walk away for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like the same thing when you kind of read like those like like Doctor Quanta's book of facts thing. It's like yeah. going. Ooh, that's a heady little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Like that, that, what the bleep do we know? (laughs) You should only watch it in like 15 minute increments and then walk away. And your nose starts bleeding. Just let that little bit work on that little bit because, you know, the next one's just going to overcomplicate things. You'll be like, uh, you know, oh, now I got to back it up again. (laughs) Because because time does seem to have a physical property, but not in. So when you think about, okay, the three dimensional universe. Well, here's this, right. and then I'm I'm pointing my hand this way, so that right. must be the third dimension. But then there's this fourth dimension, and it's time, so it has an effect on the physical, and then it has an effect on space, and ah, uh, 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 I'm I don't know what right. oh, this hurts. Right. This and then really you walk hurts. away, and then like six months later, you go, oh, let's look at that book again. Do you think it's important to understand? Do you think in this case it's important to? understand exactly what it is much in the same of like explaining a show like the mechanisms of lost or do you think there are part of parts of the concept of time that we should just go it is what it is and let's just leave it at that is it important for everybody to understand no it's only the people who you know that's you know if, if that gets the rocks off yeah look at it you know check it out and, and get ethereal <laughs> about it something like you said you studied philosophy it's like that's a lot of sitting. I took one philosophy class, and it was like the teacher would come in, always seemingly lost in thought, and <laughs> where the lecture began, I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd leave that class with a blank page going, well, it wasn't blank. It was just drawings and stuff. But it was like, <laughs> it was like I have no idea. How I'm going to get any? I'm going to take this pass fail because I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> in this place. And like he would sit, and then suddenly um, something would, would set him off on some weird tangent about how like 
um, he wrote a thesis on Blade Runner, and I was like, going, okay, now this I can talk about for a little yeah. bit. But then, yeah, I had no idea. I don't even remember what the name of that class was, but I just remember watching this teacher walk in with his hands in his pockets, looking at the ground, and then suddenly he goes, okay, so... And I was like, is he picking up where he left <laughs> off yesterday? Or is he having a conversation with someone who's not there right now? I think a lot of those guys... You know, a lot of them were very difficult to talk to one-on-one because I think, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're so entrenched in something like philosophy or even like theoretical physics, or I think you just spend so much fucking time in your own head trying to sort stuff out that you just, it's probably difficult to exist in the external world. Yeah, it always sounds cool. Like you always hear like those stories of like, you know, a, a final exam and be like, what is bravery? <laughs> and some guy writes this is in a blue book and turns it in and gets an A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all, never all, all those classic college blue book stories, like like the guy who who the, the the test ends and he keeps working and he keeps doing his thing and he ends up filling it and later in like uh in office hours he goes to the teacher and says, Hey, I'm here to turn in my test. And um the teacher says, No, that that test ended three hours ago. You can't turn that test in. And the student's like, do you know who I am? And the teacher goes, no, that's what I thought. And he just shoves it in the pile of blue books. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard that, I heard the same story, except that he, he smashes them on the ground and, and runs out. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the other one where the two students miss a final and uh, and they and they weren't they weren't supposed to get a makeup test, and they convinced the professor like we had a flat tire, we were coming back from this trip, and we try and there was literally nothing we could do, and the professor's like, all right, show up on Tuesday, I'll give you a makeup test, and there's three you know the first question of the test, and they answer it, and the second question of the test, and then the third question of the test, which makes up ninety percent of their grade, it says the question is which tire. Ah. <laughs> 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 the That's old great. blue book urban legends. That's the Game of Thrones that you both you tell me your name. Tell me <laughs> yeah, your name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you like uh I think a philosophy of Blade Runner would be a rad class. Uh I it, think I would be, probably. That uh, was not my class though. I forgot I even forgot what class that was called. Do you you like so you you like a lot of sci you seem to like a lot of sci-fi stuff and my, Matt Matt Myra met you at E3. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you just go just to hang out and play games, or did someone like they forced yeah. him to be there? It yeah. was <laughs> me. no. It, I mean, it was like this uh, this little charity thing for um, the Red Rush games. So I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, and uh, and then they said, you know, they said that someone was going to come uh, from G four to maybe do like a like a, a bumper recording. And they said his name was Matt, and I was going, who could it be? Could it be? <laughs> <laughs> do you have you watched? You watch G four? Uh, I did. I mean, I, I haven't watched it um, much he has in a while. Oh, he has DirecTV, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I would watch a lot and just kind of... We, I mean, uh, I haven't been in front of... I haven't really played much video games in a while either, so being up to date on that stuff hasn't really been... We played Forza Racing on this giant, like, 150-inch screen and just decided to find straightaways... And drive at each other from opposite ends yeah. of the track. We wanted to see how many head-on collisions we could do. <laughs> whoever had, whoever had the least paint on won. That was the goal. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. So what else are you... Uh, what else is... Is there anything you want to promote or talk about or... 
Uh, I really don't have anything to plug. We just wanted you to come on. We just wanted you to come on. See, that's that's kind of part of the thing. Was like, do I go? I really don't have anything. You don't have to plug anything. I just want to give people the opportunity if there's anything you want people to know about. I just did an episode of Californication. Um, Did David Duchovny fuck you? Uh, Did not. Aww. But um, what's the point then? But it was cool because Maggie Grace was also in the scene. Oh yeah, of course. And so like her and Evan Handler was kind of like a little reunion. It was kind of cool because Evan came out to do Lost when do that episode, Dave. And so kind of get to go back and kind of be on his show. We kind of made it kind of a nice little um, full circle moment. I was like, and then and then you run into you run into other actors, and then you guys touch for a second. and You're like, I remember. We were on an island. <laughs> there was that time. There was that time we were all together. I just remembered I saw you sing with Weezer at the. Uh, oh. At the uh, was it the Blue Album show or the Pinkerton show? Um, I think it was the Blue Album show. It was at Universal. Yeah, I mean, I did you do both? I, I think I did both. Yeah, I was there for both nights. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was um, exciting. That was that was really crazy. Uh, that was. I mean, first of all. <laughs> That was a rough summer. That was the summer that Lost ended. I moved away from Hawaii. My dog passed away. And then oh. two months later, my dad passed away. Oh, oh, Jesus. But then out of that, like the day, actually, the day my dad passed away, I found that I was going to be the cover of the Weezer album. So I was like going, wow, suddenly this, this ray of sunshine has shone down on me. Because yeah. he sent me like a mock-up of that, of that it's picture. so great. <laughs> it's just him. And just then, the face. And then going, I did, first thing I did, I introduced them and sang with them at this, they did this, uh, this Axe Live event um, at some, at a hotel up on, like a motel up on, the Dunes Inn. Oh yeah, I remember, I was driving by that. Uh, Yeah, at the Dunes Inn, and as I was driving in, they had this giant banner of my head from, of the album cover. Yeah. On the side of the wall there. And then... Um, going up there and just kind of sitting there and, and I'm on stage and singing with Weezer and I'm looking over to my left and I'm saying, all right, there's Weezer <laughs> and I'm singing with them and this is my real life. Yeah. <laughs> it was really kind of a cool moment. And then uh, to go up and then sing the song with them at... Uh, uh, what is it called now? The Universal Amphitheater? Gibson. Uh, Gibson. Gibson, Amphitheater, Gibson Amphitheater, right. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, and and singing, and they, they kept the banner up behind me, so I'm like, yeah. I'm singing in front of my giant head uh, at uh, at that, you know, at that place was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. It was definitely, um, you know, one of those kind of things I was like, going, I, I could not have imagined this as like, this is something I'd get to do. In, in, in my career, <laughs> you seemed uh, like overwhelmed and very happy when you were on stage. It's yeah. fun. I mean, it was really fun that uh, you know that that uh, that that kind of that summer of love with Weezer thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, but also you know, as an as an actor, I think acting is a very kind of isolating profession. It's like you said, you guys are out. You know, you're you're just on an you're in the jungle working with right. like a handful of other people, or yeah, yeah. or you're doing scenes and it's just you in a room with the camera. And then the the total the, op, the polar opposite of that is like, hey, fucking rock stars, where they just connect with twelve thousand people at once, and you just feel the. And it was cool. I like, there were a lot of musicians that um, was great because Lost was a great show to watch on DVD. That. A lot of people who were in bands were coming out to me because we were the kind of show that you could take on a tour bus and kind of watch in big chunks of time. Yeah. And so it was kind of like having 
like seal come up to you and ask if he could get a picture with you. <laughs> was kind of, you know. Whoa. Like, wow, you're seal. Mm-hmm. He's, I, I'm, I interviewed him once in the 90s, and he was fucking cool. I really fixed cool. his computer a number of times, and he was not cool. Really? Yeah. Very weirdly demanding of things that weren't really possible. You know, it's funny. You really start to see what people are like if they're just hanging out. Like, oh, that guy's really cool. But if something something needs wrong. to... Yeah, if something's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. We had like a... The seal would somehow had the number to the genius room. Like he had like a fucking bat phone. Oh, yeah, he's seal. I mean, yeah. What you? So we would all be like, seal's on the phone, and we would fight over who had to take the call. Jesus. Which Apple store were you in? Uh, Grove. Oh. Yeah. You had to... So someone actually got seal on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, so and then we'd have to talk him through. So you guys have a room back there? Yeah, there's a room That's back there. That's just for you guys? Genius room, yep. What Where goes on? Fix things. Like, not a lot. Is that's it a clean a, room? It's not a clean room. Uh, I mean, there's That's big not elitist at all. There's <laughs> <room. laughs> like, like a velvet robe in front of it. Do you have a special <laughs> genius badge that gets you into the genius room? No, you had a passcode to get in. Ah. Uh. And then you go in and look. Told me you had the thing where someone had to poke your eye out, yeah. like uh, <laughs> demolition man. <laughs> <laughs> Just hold, the, <laughs> hold the eye up. The, the retinal scan. Yeah. Simon Phoenix. Yeah, but that was yeah. We would just do that and look at your eye photo. So be watchful of that. Yeah, I heard that. We will look at it. I heard that. Do not take pictures of your dog I and put them no, on devices. I have no dog pictures <laughs> of mine or anybody else's. On I my, bet I could um, find one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you put in there. <laughs> Matt, I, like, I, said, I didn't say how I would find it. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my deck is on so many computers, you guys. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's, it's him going, look, he's got dicks on it, too. <laughs> that looks like the same dick. Dot Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, tum- that's oh, a Tumblr that right there. It's just like dicks you found on hard drives. I kept mm. a lot of, I would take pictures of people's desktops when they were fucking really weird. Like, and I have a bunch of them. Hard I was going to do a book one day. Like a coffee table book? Like hard dicks yeah. on hard drives? Yeah, hard dicks on hard drives. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. In, in HD? <laughs> not as many vagina pictures, though, right? It was just a lot no, of dogs. not a lot. A lot of, like, uh, girls, w- women would have uh, a lot That's of pictures. That's a harder picture to take, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is a little yeah, bit. Sure. Well, well not if you go to Gone Wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The subreddit. You either have to move the computer... <laughs> you hold, but with the like, new MacBook Airs, they're so light you could just hold the, one uh, the 11 inch screen. Yeah, that's that was always funny. Opening up a photo booth and looking at the photo booth roll. It was uh, always it was always like uh, you masturbating, your grandpa discovering the fun effects, <laughs> <laughs> more of you fucking. Jesus. It was always so fucking. You'd have to superimpose. You'd have to superimpose like the this surprise grandpa over yeah. like the fucking the Spider-Man action figure going into someone's ass. Aunt Jenny's on a roller coaster. <laughs> Masturbating. You're fucking. <laughs> now I know why I never do that thing. We had to leave your computer overnight. Yeah. <laughs> why were you going? It's clearly a world tour of whatever's I going on. Because <laughs> I was bored. I was yeah. hoping for some at least fake re- work reason. Like, well, we have to make sure that the. You know, when we do speed well, checks, I mean, the when you speed, yeah. when you if fix. there's a problem in photo booth, there's yeah. <laughs> it'll affect a lot of other. If I replace the bottleneck in the the processor, if I replace the display or a logic board, you yeah. have to make sure the eyesight camera still works because that's connected to the display. Right. So making sure the eyesight camera sure works just means going through their you entire gotta, roll. You gotta open it up. 
<laughs> Did anyone do like fisheye with their balls or anything crazy like that? No, I never really saw any effects on genitals. Oh, now they had that roller coaster ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna put my dick in a roller coaster. Whoa! Okay. Now we're Whoa! fucking. <laughs> now we're fucking underwater. <laughs> Look at all these, all these clueless fish. Oh, I did, I did that, that underwater. I did like, uh, I did kind of like the the little Charlie nod where I wrote something like "Thanks for watching" on my hand and took the picture. Oh, that's using awesome. the photo booth to kind of like when the show ended. That's right. Oh, that's really sweet. Well, it was it was a delight having you here. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Thanks. It was fun. I, it, was, it was fun to kind of get to hang out with you guys because yeah. I, I listen to you guys a lot. Oh, you do? He does. Oh yeah, that's he, awesome. You pronounced my was, last name correctly. I was I was I was I today I found myself humming in my house. Vaginal dryness. That's our number one hit. Vaginal dryness. That's gonna be the clip. You're gonna lift. I know it. Um, the. Uh, it was funny enough that I was going, wait a minute, did he say, hold on, uh, click, 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 click. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, am, I am truly honored that you, that you remember what I think we can all agree is Matt Myra's uh, theme song for life. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, that was a hostful, too. He's a fan. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is... Someday, uh-huh. I, I, I just want to make a billion dollars so that I can do things like uh, say, hey, Matt, I got you tickets to Dave Matthews concert. And then you go, <laughs> and then halfway through, he's like, this song goes out to Lou Matt Myra. Virginal Janiers. Like, I will pay $10 million <laughs> to make get, that you happen. Can get, I think you can get him for like 110 grand. I, I, wanna, I will do it. If I, I just want to make a shit ton of money so I can do shit like that. That's okay. Yeah. If, it's, if it's just that happens, but I get a Dave Matthews concert, I'm totally yeah. fine with that. Well, we could just get Brian McKnight to do it. <laughs> but he'll do it. Yeah, yeah, Brian McKnight will just do it for free. Yeah, let me show you how your vet dry Cool. Well, well, then maybe uh, hopefully come back on. Please, please come back on and hang sure. out with us. Sure. Thanks. All right. You should do a hostful with us. This wasn't. This didn't count. This didn't. This was a guested episode, yeah. but a hostful episode. When one of you mooks has to work or something, then then Jorge can or fill if you in can't as the guest. We'll have him replace <laughs> you. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow, that would actually probably be a better show. <laughs> I, would, I would listen to that, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than I listen to my own show. Uh, all right. Enjoy your burrito. Wait, actually, Jorge, do you want to say it? Enjoy your burrito. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sweet. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.